All right, I choose, just kidding, we already did that with the kids. I, I saw everybody getting nervous because I think in church is like the one time you really don't want to be chosen. You don't want to be singled out in front of everybody in church. But I mean, for the most part, we generally, like we talked about with the kids, we do like being chosen, right? That doesn't go away as you get older. I was just uh, talking to a friend the other day. It was, Emily was talking to, to one of her best friends, actually, but I, I overheard the conversation. And this friend was talking about, she just went to this wedding where it was a pretty informal wedding. And rather than doing a dance reception afterwards, they just had this big kickball game. And so our friend is, is saying how nervous she was about when she was going to get picked for this game. You know, it doesn't go away uh, just because you get a little older. You still want to be, be picked first, Right. And, and even aside from, from games and fun stuff like that, there, there's, there's probably something in all of our lives that we still hope that we get chosen for. We hope that we get picked for. I, I bet you can think of something that kind of makes you on the edge of your seat, like you're waiting for that Student of the Month award or that Team MVP award. We, we all hope that we get chosen for things in life. Maybe there have been times where you didn't know if you were going to get chosen. You know, am, am I going to get a date? Am I going to find a spouse? Am I, am I going to get chosen for this job? Do I, do I have everything that they're looking for? And that's, that's really what is at the root of every concern about being chosen, isn't it? Do I have what they're looking for? You know, am I the best available option? Do I bring the most, the most beneficial things to the table? And yet even, even the person who has gotten picked for everything in life. Maybe, I'm guessing we all can think of somebody like that. Man, they just get picked for everything. But even that person, you know, they got picked for every game as a kid. They, they had their choice for, for every homecoming date. They got picked for every job and every promotion. Even that person who gets picked for everything will still have to wonder, will still have to face the question of, what about God? When I die, when I'm going to have to stand before God, is God going to choose me? And even, even Christians can wonder that, can't we? The thought of standing before God, that can be kind of a scary thing. And, and in, our, in our weaker moments, maybe, when our faith hasn't been fed by God's word in a little while, that's when, that's when the devil kind of dangles that, that doubt in front of us. Is God going to choose you? He's got a lot of better options. Is, is God really going to choose you? Is he going to follow through on that promise? How can you be sure? If that's a question that you've wondered, if that's an anxiety that you've faced, you can know that you are far from the first one to wonder that. You are far from the first one to be concerned about that. So this morning, we'll, we'll listen to, to God's answer to that concern that we have. We'll listen to some timeless promises that God gives us in his word from Ephesians chapter 1. We'll, we'll read the first, the first half of those verses right now, and we'll, re we'll read the rest, of, the rest of them a little later on. But the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1. You got the clicker? There we go. That's all right. Apostle Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us 
in the one he loves. God chooses you. In fact, what we just read is that God chose you. God chose you before you were born. God chose you before the world even existed. God chose you back when it was just God. How does that work? I don't know. That, that's, that's a huge concept, right? That, that kind of blows our mind that, that God chose us, that God knew us before there was time or space or universe or anything. We can't understand what that means, but what God does make very clear for us, what he does want us to understand is that back when it was just God, he knew you, he loved you, he chose you to be his child. Maybe it raises the question, maybe you're wondering, okay, but, but not everybody goes to heaven, right? So how, how do I know for certain that those words that we just read were talking about me? That's, that's really the question that comes to our mind pretty quickly, isn't it? And it's a little bit sad, I think, that, that our minds go there so quickly. You know, we, we hear this amazing promise of, of God's grace. We hear this, these amazing words, all these awesome things, these awesome promises that God has for us, but immediately we go to, but does he mean me, right? You think when, when the Apostle Paul first re- wrote these words that we just read, you know, all these, these super positive sounding words, praise be to God, he blessed us, every spiritual blessing, he chose us to be holy and blameless, he predestined us to be a part of his family, because of his glorious grace, which he freely gave us. You know, all these amazing, uplifting things to hear. Do you think when he wrote those words, the first, he was also thinking, I hope everybody who reads this wonders, but is it for me? No, absolutely not. These words are meant to be nothing but comfort and peace and joy to you. So how do you know, how do you know it's you? Well, simple answer. These words are written to Christians. You know these words are for you because you're a Christian. Like we talked about with the kids, you were, you were baptized into God's family, adopted, adopted into God's family, to use the words here. God washed away all your sins in your baptism. You believe, you believe in Jesus as your Savior who took away all of your sins. When I, when I spoke those words of God's forgiveness to us this morning, you said, amen, right? You said, I, I believe it. You didn't sit there and say in your heart, no, no, I don't think that's true. These words are for you. God chose you. You know that's true for you because you believe in Jesus as your Savior. And we can know all that. And we can believe all that. And we can still kind of struggle with the fact that God chose us. We can still struggle to believe that. We definitely can never understand it. But why do we struggle with that? Well, it's because of what we talked about at the start, right? That we are so conditioned to thinking that you only get chosen when you are the best option. That is ingrained in us, that you have to be the best. You have to bring everything good to the table. There can't be anybody else as good as you, and that's the only time that you get chosen. And so when we talk about being chosen by God, that becomes a problem because I know me better than I know any other human being, and you know you better than anyone else. And each and every single one of us knows that we are not God's best option. We are not the most deserving choice. 
So when we look at ourselves, we, we begin to wonder, can it really be true? Can it really be true that God chose me because he has so many better choices than me? You know, even, even if it were 50-50, if, if God said, you know what, it's best, best 50% of humanity goes to heaven, worst 50% doesn't make the cut. How could you ever know? How could you ever be sure which camp we're in? We want to be absolutely certain. How can I know that God chose me? You can know that God chose you because God does not make his decisions in the same way as human beings. God does not make his decisions based on who is the best. In fact, God, God did not choose you because you put yourself into this category of, am I a good person? God did not choose you because you're a good person. And I know we love to put people into those categories. You're either a good person or a bad person. God doesn't see it that way. In fact, God says there, there really isn't such a, good, such a thing as a good person. God says there is no one who does good, not even one. And maybe we take exception to that. We say, no, there, there's bad people, and then there's people who are, but you know what? We, we play the comparison game, don't we? It's that we're less bad than other people. God's not interested in the comparison game. God says there, there's no one who is holy. There's no one who does good. There's no such thing as a good person. And it's hard, that's a hard thing for us to accept, but maybe we can think about it this way. Imagine if you have a, a child, whether it's your own child or one that, that you care about very deeply, and somebody does something intentionally, maliciously to hurt that child. I'm pretty confident you're not going to be going around telling people what a good person that person is, that person who hurt your child. In fact, it might be one of the, one of the biggest challenges of your life, one of the biggest struggles of your life to forgive that person. So now imagine what God sees in this world. If God loves and cares for every single person that lives in this world, what does that do to God every time that, that we mistreat one another? What does that do to God every time that one human being is hurtful to another? And now think of how often we mistreat one another, how often we hurt one another. So that's why God says, yeah, there's no one who does good. Or that's why God says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the question we're looking to answer is why God chose you, how you can know that God chose you. Well, what you can know is that God did not choose you because you were a good person. God chose you even though you are not. God did not choose you because you are good. God chose you because he is good. God chose you because of Jesus. No, we, we, we look at these words here, and it, sometimes maybe those words give us pause, right? Sometimes this whole concept of God choosing us before the creation of the world, maybe we don't talk about that very much because it's bigger than our brains, <laughs> and so we just don't want to think about it as much. But if you can read these words, and they, they stir up a little, a little question in your heart, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. If those words aren't pure happiness to you, I bet you I know which two words you're overlooking. In him. He chose us in him before the creation of the world. 
God did not make some arbitrary or random choice of who was going to believe in Jesus or who was going to be in heaven. God made that choice in Jesus. God made that choice in the light of what Jesus did to make this world full of sinners right with God. In him. In him is the key to all of it. I mentioned that we would read through the the rest of these words in a little while. We'll, We'll do that now, and there's a strong theme There's a strong theme that runs through these verses that we're focusing on today. I'll try not to be too obnoxious, but I'm going to point out that theme as as we read along. So we'll read again. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world, to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in, oh, I missed one, through Jesus Christ, (laughs) in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Again, I tried not to be too obnoxious about it, but I think that theme was meant to be as obvious as we were making it there. Everything in our faith is in Christ. Everything is rooted in him. That was nine verses, and that was eight, nine, depending on how you count them, reminders of what our faith is all about. Everything is in Christ. When we look at ourselves, that's when we start to wonder, did God choose me? Can God choose me? Would God choose me? Why would he? Am I good enough? But when we look at Jesus, when we stand at his cross and we see how he made our sins and our shortcomings his own then you know why you're chosen if your sins are all on Jesus then then what's left on you just Jesus perfection and holiness and worthiness if your sins are gone if Jesus took your sins away forever then all you are is holy and perfect to stand before God. And then God's choice is easy, right? Because when God looks at you, God sees Jesus. When God looks at you, God sees a forgiven, holy, perfect child of God. So in him, in him, that is how you know that God does in fact choose you. A few weeks ago, Emily and I went to a, a summer camp for kids uh, for a full week, and it was this awesome thing where kids were doing two things for a full week that I think they don't do nearly enough. They were, they were outside in God's creation for the whole week, and they were diving into God's word. There was this awesome, awesome thing. But there was also, for the whole week, some of the, the usual kid shenanigans going on, and one of the things was being asked why again and again and again. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing it this way all week? And... Yeah, maybe that isn't just, just a kid thing to ask, to ask why over and over. I, I think we here 
like we hear this morning. We hear that God chose us, and we want to know why, too. And the, the typical parent-to-kid answer, the exasperated parent after, you know, a dozen whys eventually becomes, because I said so, right? God's answer to us of, of why he chose us isn't quite that, but it's just a little different. God says he, he did these things, sorry, I skipped a couple slides there. <laughs> God says he did these things according to his good pleasure. Which means he did, this, he did this because he wanted to. And maybe we say, well, God, God has all power. God knows everything. God can do whatever he wants, right? Exactly. God can do whatever he wants. And so that is what makes it so amazing to see the things that God chooses to do. God can do whatever he wants, but he chooses to love you. He chooses to show you his grace. He says he wants, he wants us to praise his glorious grace, as we read today. Of all the things you can know about God, he wants us to know about his love for us the most. He wants us to praise his grace. Why? Because that means we know his grace. That means we know what he did for us in Jesus. That is why God chose you. God chose you because he loves you. God chose you because out of all of the things that there are to know about God, and there are a lot of them, and there are even more, there are even more that you can never know and you can never understand, but out of all of those things, God wants to make it perfectly clear to you how much he cares for you, how much he loves you. God says, you can't, you can't understand my power. You can't understand everything that I know. But the one thing that I will show you so clearly is my heart for you. God gave us Jesus. God gave us the promise of redemption and forgiveness through Jesus' blood. God says, this is how I want you to know me. This is the reason that I want you to praise me. For my grace. For my love. This morning, we're, we're talking about some, some things that are kind of big for our minds, some things that blow our minds a little bit. So, I don't know if you've seen this movie, but it kind of fits into that category a little bit. Uh, Interstellar, I, it came out almost 10 years ago, but I just watched it a couple weeks ago for the first time. But this movie kind of makes an attempt to explain or explore a little bit what, what it would be like if human beings could get out of the, the restrictions of, of time and space that we are in in our world. So it's, it's total guesswork, it's totally fiction made up, but what if we were able to have access to the future and the past just like we do to the present, is what this, this movie looks to explore. And towards the end of this movie, there is this super dramatic moment, there is this pivotal scene where the, the music swells and Anne Hathaway's character drops this really profound line. And she says, love is the only thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends dimensions of time and space. As they were exploring those different dimensions, this was the big conclusion. Now, I know I don't have to tell you that this movie is not based on the Christian faith, right? And yet, those words... <laughs> Those words are really exactly what the, the Bible teaches us in our lesson from God's word today. Love is the only thing we're capable of perceiving that transcends the dimensions of time and space. You know, we, 
We don't like thinking about the fact that God chose people before the creation of the world because that goes beyond what we can understand. You know, we live in the present time. We live in this little box, and God is this huge before time began and after time ends and not limited by space thing. So it blows our minds a little bit that God transcends these dimensions of time and space. But God is love. God is love, and he makes that so clear to us. We can't understand everything that there is to know about God. But what does God make it so clear for us? God made his larger-than-life love for us visible, observable, in the most real-life way possible. Jesus lived for us. He died for us. He took our place. Jesus redeemed us. He forgave us. He overflowed God's grace onto us. You'll never know, you'll never understand everything that there is to know or understand about God. But the one thing that he wants you to understand perfectly is what's in his heart toward you. God loves you. God sent Jesus for you. And in Jesus, God chooses you. Amen. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.